Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So, uh, we're getting... Do you want to know an interesting metaphor for life? Go on, then. You know... Elephants, mm-hmm. when the, the circus elephants, yeah. when they're really young, they tie them to the, the fences with like metal chains and they can't get out of them and they can't go past that because they're not strong enough. And then the elephants think that that's their limit and that's their barrier. And even as they get older, by then they're able to completely smash the fence and, and escape from the chains and stuff. But they don't know they can do it. Mm, that and that's life, that. That is life, actually. That's uh, very true. So we're getting a bit of level here, which is good. Um, we like to start with a joke, though, don't we, Ruth? Yeah. Okay, you like Joe Lysett, don't you? Oh, I think Joe Lysett's so funny. I oh, really think he right. is. All right, well, here's a Joe Lysett joke for you. Uh, life is like a box of chocolates. It doesn't last long if you're fat. <laughs> No, that's, that's politically rather mm. suspect, isn't it? From no, no, it's not. No, well, it's not. No, it's joke. not. No, it's not. Twenty fourteen, he did that joke. I bet he wouldn't do it now. I bet he would. Well, we never know. But um, that doesn't joke doesn't make a lot of sense, really. Life is like a box of chocolates. Oh no, don't last long if you're fat because you would eat all the chocolates. Yeah, yeah, no, don't matter. It makes absolute sense. It makes perfect sense. And also, really of funny. course, it's a reference back to Forrest Gump. Yeah. Where he does say life is like a box of chocolates. All exact. right, let's let's try on this one. Well, I was, I was doing is... my Forrest Gump voice then. Oh, where are you going then? No, I can't do it at all. No. Hardeep Singh Kohli said, One thing you'll never hear a Hindu say. Oh, well, you only live once. No? Yeah, funny. Reincarnation jokes. Yeah, reincarnation jokes. Right, let's... Uh, let's I didn't know that Hindus believed in reincarnation. I didn't know who I thought that's, believed in reincarnation. Well, the Hindus. Is that the whole thing? That's, that's the whole thing. That's what makes it funny. Although, interestingly, Hardeep Singh Kohli is a Sikh. Oh, you know what I'd be interested to ask? Mm-hmm. If anyone's read to- Tom Hanks' book of short stories... Because right. it's meant to be good, but then I don't know whether it's just meant to be good because people have said it because they like Tom Hanks. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. You can't judge, can you? But I think I want so- to know someone who's read it mm. I to think- be like, it's good writing. Mm. I think Tom Hanks wrote a book about uh, typewriters. He, it, he, no, it's called Uncommon Type, but it's a, sh- a book of short stories. Ah, right, so it's not all about type, because he collects, mm. t- he collects yeah, all he typewriters. Yeah, he does, but it's not all about typewriters, I'm pretty sure. It's because some of them are like sci-fi stories. He's really inspired by Spielberg, I think. All right, let's move from typewriters to uh, gentlemen's razors, uh, which are very much in the news at the moment. All men things, really. Mm, with uh, Originally. 
with well no typewriters are not originally men things Dorothy Parker I was trying to make it link dad gosh well I was linking anyway and you know you can get uh, a program for your computer so that when you're on the keyboard it sounds like an old typewriter that's just surely that's what what's the word you know what I'm on about don't you I know what you're on about but I can't think of the word it's no good asking me to think of a word it's like well it's like having an old fashioned fireplace but in actual fact, it's a brand new fireplace, but yeah. it looks like an old fireplace. It's stupid. Re- repro, really. But, you know, some people find it comforting to have the sound of a typewriter, and you can... And you can do that thing. Yeah. So, Gillette, the razor, razor firm. I can't say I'm outraged by their advert, but I think it's completely pointless. First of all, I think adverts are ridiculous. They yeah. genu- generally are. But I think that it's not a bad advert. I think it's a good advert, if anything, it's a good advert, first of all, because it's got so much traction. But it's also not particularly outrageous. Like, if you look at women's adverts, I talked about the the Like a Girl campaign that Max and Spencer's did, or basically any advert for any sanitary product ever. This sanitary product will turn your life around and suddenly you'll be able to parasail. I can't parasail. I don't live near the sea. Do you no. know what I mean? But it tells me that that's the thing I'm going to be able to do. Oh my gosh, this is going to make you a stronger woman. This is going to make you like this. I'm pretty sure Venus razors have done an advert like that that's like, look how smooth your legs yeah. will be and then you'll be able to take over the world. Like, if you look at women's adverts, they are all like that. This isn't a new thing. Men need to... Just, just why is Actually, it even... years ago, there was a joke that went round that uh, some some young boy went into a chemist and said, uh, I'd like to buy some Tampax, please. And the chemist said, what do you want them for? He said, well, I want to swim and cycle and play tennis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but and, and that's what it tells you that, you know, and then the Like a Girl campaigns, like Run Like a Girl, Fight Like a Girl, were all of those things. And they are good adverts, but... I, I guess you could find it slightly patronising if you're a man. I think patronising is the thing. I think but, also... But I find those adverts that say, tell me I'm going to be able to swim patronising as well, but well, you can just get used to... Pa- just yeah, I know get used mean. to being patronised. You've experienced a tiny bit of prob- what advertising is like for women on a daily basis. Mm, I think the problem with the Gillette advert is the general atmosphere at the moment of uh, toxic masculinity i mean i've got used it's now, saying but, it's saying not to be toxic no i know but what i'm saying is it's the whole conversation that masculinity in itself is somehow toxic i mean i've got used to being called a privileged white male i'm fine you, yeah, you but you are yes i know you tell me every week i'm a privileged white male. yeah but it's the male thing and uh, yeah can, and can you I just, do have a certain amount of privilege as a man hmm when um long before the Gillette advert came out uh the world's largest professional body for psychiatrists and we're talking about the american psychological association has been accused of launching a war against men after it denounced traditional masculinity as psychologically harmful uh they faced a backlash a backlash uh, a backlash maybe yeah they faced a backlash after publishing a study which argued that men were being damaged by what has been labelled toxic masculinity their guidelines define traditional masculinity as a particular constellation of standards including anti-femininity achievement, eschewal of the appearance of weakness and adventure risk and violence and I don't see, that, I mean but that is what is seen to be manly Mm. And I think that the problem is that masculinity is not toxic in it, in and of itself, same as femininity is not toxic in and of itself. But the way we see masculinity is the toxic thing. And it is it is completely toxic 
and that's why feminism is so important because it's about de-demonising. Can you say that? De-demonising? Oh, you've just said... It's about de-demonising the feminine traits. It's not about women at all. Yes, I think it's probably the way the conversation is, the things that people are saying. And there's a, a quote here from uh, a professor at Kent University saying, the words toxic and masculinity are casually put together in a way that would be beyond thinkable if you were to talk about toxic femininity. I don't think that's true at all. Mm, well, but femininity um, is not toxic in the way that mas- masculinity is. And masculinity is toxic because it literally kills people men under 45 have the highest suicide rates and it's because they feel they can't talk about their feelings which is toxic right another conversation we've sort of had from time to time on the podcast is this about whether if you're an actor you should be allowed to if if you're a a white non-disabled actor you should be allowed you know or a white western non-disabled actor heterosexual you should be allowed to play parts that go into different areas so in other words right. you know the argument don't you now brian cranston who we absolutely love because he played the dentist in seinfeld what was the dentist's name in seinfeld tim Watley. tim Watley. see if you can spot the edit there <laughs> <laughs> right so he played the dentist tim Watley, of course immediately sprung to mind in seinfeld he's currently in a movie called the upside he plays a billionaire confined to a wheelchair uh, in the comedy drama The Upside. Uh, diversity activists have argued that disabled LGBT and ethnic minority characters should only be portrayed by performers from those groups. But uh, Brian Cranston, this seems to me to be totally, even if he hadn't played Tim Watley, it seems very sensible to me. Uh, Brian Cr- Cranston said, it's the job of actors to, quote, be other people. Uh, yeah. Best known in Britain for his roles as Walter White in the television drugs drama Breaking Bad. Uh, he mentioned something else, but not Tim Watley here. What, what um, thing does it mention? Because I'm trying to place what I really like Brian Cranston in. Well, it mentions Breaking Bad, obviously. I've That's not seen his most it. famous uh, thing. I've not seen it either. Uh, and uh, he plays the anchorman Howard Beale in the National Theatre's production of Network. Um, Network's a film I saw years ago with Peter Finch. It was That's a great movie. Not it's, the social network, though. No, not social network. This is a network, but it's really good if you get to see, if the play's still on, try and get to see it, because Brian Cranston is brilliant. He's in um, it. Yeah, he's in it. He's, he's been at the National Theatre. You know, because American actors often come over and do stuff yeah, at the yeah, National. Yeah. So he's in it at the National Theatre. Uh, the story of Network is fantastic. It's uh, an anchorman on an American network who eventually, day after day, exposed to this stuff that go, you know, to the news and everything, eventually goes round the twist and announces his own suicide on TV. So ah. he says, the famous quote is, I'm mad as hell and I ain't going to take it anymore. But anyway, Brian Cranston's in that. Uh, he said he supported improving on-screen diversity, but added, if I, as a straight older person, and I'm wealthy, I'm very fortunate, does that mean I can't play a person who's not wealthy? Does that mean I can't play a, he- yeah. a homosexual? Yeah, I understand I understand what he means. And I, I don't know, I can see two sides to this. Because on the first hand, brilliant roles have been portrayed. So, I mean, you can look at um, Eddie Redman in mm. um, The Theory of Everything. Won an Oscar for his portrayal of Stephen Hawking, who has motor neuron disease. Eddie Redman, mm. surprisingly, not got motor neuron disease. All you have to look at is period dramas. You're not actually a person no, from the, the 1800s. Well, interestingly, but then there's a thing, Simon Callow agrees with you. Simon, no, but I want to do the other side, cause, because there is a thing of a disabled person will better be, maybe, be able to play the role of a disabled person better. Or, like, there was a thing... 
um angelina jolie and lady gaga are apparently both auditioning for to play the role of cleopatra i don't know whether that's true or not or whatever and some a lot of people are saying it should be a black person to play cleopatra and i think that when the issue of race is involved the person of the race should play the character i think if you're you're trying to get a message across with a drama it's the person who's best for the part can you think of anybody who could have played maria in west side story better than natalie wood no, but that, that's also of the time, isn't it? Mm. But then there's a but then there's a massive problem of you can't find the people to play the part really well because people from minority backgrounds don't tend to get in at acting as much. And I think one of the reasons for that is because they don't see people who look like them mm. on the screen. And so then you're stuck in a vicious cycle of the best person for the part is not an ethnic minority because they've never seen a minority group. Yeah. So then, Just, do you know what I mean? Then it's a... Yeah, no, that's that's a decent catch point. Catch twenty two. It is a catch twenty two. Uh, by the way, it's a vicious circle, not a vicious cycle. People always say vicious cycle. Why is it not? A, it's a cycle, just as much as it's but a circle. It's a vicious circle. Is the uh, is the correct way to? No. Well, it is. It's a simple. But why? As that. But Everybody why? says vicious cycle. So it's how is that wrong? Well, it's wrong because it, it is a vicious circle. That's what it is. But that a cycle is, the, is also a it's a cycle. A cycle is not a circle. But a cycle is a is a cyclical thing. Do you know what I mean? Well, we're not talking about a cyclical no, thing. No, it's, cir- it's a circular thing it, with the symbolic view of a circle. How can you not have... Well, you can have I'm a just, vicious cycle. I'm just asking you to say it correctly, which is vicious circle, But why can't you circle. have a vicious cycle? It's like the, there's one or two of these things that people... It's got so popular, I can't uh, think of My what, My most known one is people use irregardless all the time. Irregardless. It's not even a word. <laughs> and over-exaggerate. Over-exaggerate over no, something. You can't. Well, Simon Callow, anyway, agrees with you about period pieces because he's currently doing a one-man show called uh, A Christmas Carol, obviously Dickens. He's playing that, and he sarcastically suggested that he would be withdrawing from his one-man show of A Christmas Carol because he was unfit to play Tiny Tim or 36 other characters of different sizes, ages, and sex to his own. He says, I realise I'm in terrible trouble. In my one-man version of A Christmas Carol, I'm playing 37 characters, including an old man, several young men, a very fat man, four or five women of different agents, a giant, and heaven help me, Tiny Tim, as well as his little brothers and sisters. He noted that he was not fat, young, female, or paraplegic, and suggested he would make way for 37 actors who were closer to the characters, so that the audience will be able to participate in the process of social transformation that a visit to the theatre is rapidly becoming. So he's mm. been a bit, uh, uh, what you would call gammon about it. He's been a bit... Uh, I wouldn't call him gammon. An angry old man. Yeah, I don't know. As I can, as I said, I can see. But I think but he, I think he is gay, Simon Callow. I seem to remember. But well, then there he definitely shouldn't be on the there, stage. There isn't a gay character in a, a Christmas Carol. I might be wrong. I'm not sure. So you're not entirely disagreeing with uh, Brian Cranston or? Uh, not entirely, because I think there's also a place for like sometimes the best person to play the role is someone who can separate themselves from what's going on. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that always. If you're telling a story that is really difficult... Or like Sir Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm. Not gay? No, he's not gay. Not gay. Plays Alan Turing. Famously gay. But maybe he played the character better because he could separate himself from the situation. Do you know what I mean? I don't think mm. always... Sometimes maybe it hits too close to home that you can't portray it well, but then maybe it makes it more powerful. Should we quickly look at the emails? Not that many of them. Rahul Shrivastav 
uh, sends us an email and says hello. We are always ready to orchestrate effective initiatives to make a mobile responsive and lead generation based website for your business. I knew that was going to be that. Contact if you're looking for this. Thanks, Rahul. Are we looking for effective initiatives to make a mobile responsive and lead generation based website? I don't think we are. I mean, really, I think we'll make do with what we've got. Yeah. Okay. So, hardlines, Rahul. And Andy Nunn has uh, sent me in. Andy Nunn is a crony because he's been listening to me. He says, a listener on and off uh, since Radio Hallam, which is where I started this glittering career, uh, in 1975. He says, oh, I wasn't there in 75, I was there about 77. Um, but So he's been listening to me for uh, 40 years. That's a long time. It's a long That's time. You'd think over you'd double the amount of time I've been alive. I know. You'd think you'd have nothing else to say. Well, precisely, I haven't. You'd think he'd heard everything I've got to say in the first Surely you just years. start repeating. <laughs> surely, surely. Uh, anyway, thank you to uh, Andy, who suggested a piece of music, which I'm going to play. So we'll do that shortly. Um, if you do want to get in touch with us on the uh, email, it's uh, martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. And it's very useful if you come up with some something that we can discuss, isn't it? Yeah. So it's material. So it's Martin... We're and, running out. <laughs> Martin and Ruth we'll podcast be, at gmail. We'll be dot, honest with you. Yeah, we'll be honest. MartinRuthPos at uh, gmail.com. You've been reading a couple of books recently. That, uh, so I've only ever read two books. <laughs> yeah, you've been reading no. uh, The Choice. Well, uh, I finished The Choice. You finished The Choice, which is a, a book, book about, by uh, Edith Eager about the Holocaust. The first third, I would say, is about the Holocaust, and then the next two thirds, and then she goes to America, so a lot of it's about that and stuff. But she becomes a psychologist, so a lot of it is from like a psychological perspective, and like the psychology of trauma and what that does to you in like later life, and um, how to speak about things. Like it kind of is not um, the story is not just her story in the Holocaust at all. You started reading the Cut Up Girl. Cut out. The Cut Out, sorry, The Cut Out Girl, um, which is what I bought you for Christmas, together with uh, with the... Ch- I just wondered if I'd sort of over-Holocaust did you. Uh, uh, you so- know, I am actually... I might have to take a break. But, well, so I'm reading The Cut Out Girl, I'm like 50 pages through it or something. That's supposed to be absolutely brilliant. It is, really it is. It's really, really good. I'm really enjoying it. Obviously, I don't really know what... I no, can't review it at all now. No. But I never thought I would say this, because I love Holocaust documentaries and stuff, but I might be... Might I might be holocausted out. Yeah. No, it's not even just lighter, but yeah. just I don't know. I oh, read. I don't really read non-fiction that often. I usually read fiction mm. solely, so this is quite weird for me. Let's take a short break and then have some music. Andy Nunn sent me uh, an email. This is one of the, and, and I mentioned that he'd been listening to me for a hundred years. He says, uh, "Has Ruth ever heard the Nightfly by Donald Fagan?" I don't understand any of the words you just said. Right, so you've not heard the Nightfly by uh, Donald Fagan, as it might be uh, a faint link to her old dad. Because the, if you look at the, uh, it's sort of like about a nighttime uh, DJ type character, but it's a great piece of music. We have played, it, it's an album, uh, The Nightfly, but we have played Steely Dan. And I know Donald, Steely Dan. You know Steely Dan. Well, Donald Fagan is heart is the live half of Steely Dan because it was the two of them. It was Walter Becker. I Don thought Fagan. Steely Dan was a guy named Dan. No, it's uh, Donald Fagan and uh, the late Walter Becker, who died quite recently, within the last year. Ah. Uh, And this is the solo uh, album that uh, Donald Fagan did.
There you go, the night fly by uh, Don Fagan. Nice Liked and jazzy. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And well, not a lot to say about it. He was uh, born 1948, January 94. Just celebrated his birthday, actually. Ah, oh, happy yeah. birthday. He's an American musician, best known as the co-founder, lead singer and keyboardist of the band Steely Dan, formed in the early 70s. Uh, released four albums as a solo artist uh, and in 2001 was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, the Night Fly was released October the 1st, 1982. So that would make it 36 years old, 37 years old. And it was described by the Wall Street Journal in 2008, one of pop music's sneakiest masterpieces. Sneaky. Cool. Uh, so what have you got this week? My is by Frank Ocean, um, and it's a song called Super Rich Kids. I'll just play the song and then I'll explain why I've chosen it. Too many joy rides in daddy's Jaguar. Too many white lies and white lines. Super rich kids with nothing but loose ends. Super rich kids with nothing but fake friends. Start my day up on the roof. There's nothing like this type of view. Point the clicker at the two. So, uh, Super Rich Kids by. It's better if you can listen to the whole song with that song. That. Well, I listened to quite a bit of it because I, I didn't take it from the start. No, no, but no. no from no, the start, it's... you didn't get the little tune bit in it. You just got the thump, thump uh, bit. Um, Super Rich Kids, oh, So Many Wines I Can't Pronounce was in the earlier bit. And uh, uh, and it's about Super Rich Kids, Joy Rides and Daddy's Jaguar, as the Americans call them, in Jaguar. Uh, it was Frank Ocean and Earl Sweatshirt. Yeah. Funny name, Earl Sweatshirt. And Frank Ocean, I presume, is no relation to Billy Ocean. No. So he, Frank. So basically, I was going to do a female rapper this week. Yes. Because you talked. I, I, there's an article about it, and I read it, and mm. I listened to some of the stuff. But I didn't have. I don't want to pretend that I'm into something just because it suits like an agenda. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's you know it's more interesting to talk about. So I was trying to think. Who is it? The, and the female rapper, we should say that you were you were listening. She is good. I've just not I've not had chance to listen to a lot of it. So by next week, I probably will play. Little that. Sims is the female. So maybe rapper. next week. Mm, okay. But um, I've not got an opinion. You know, I don't know whether I like it or not. No, so don't play it if yeah. you don't like it. No, I, no, no, I don't not to explain, like it. The female rapper Little Sims was recommended by Sheila Atim, who's uh, an actress, and uh, she's currently. In I don't know what she's in. She's in something. In, wow, you are oh, stressing. Try to look into no, your I eyes. I don't know what she's in. She's in Time Is Love, which is on at the uh, Fimbra Theatre in London. So she's in a play basically, and uh, she said Little Sims. Her, her music is so fresh, etc., etc. So you listen to it. If you don't like it, don't play it. Yeah, but I've, I've not had chance yet. And but Frank Ocean, um, he's been around for quite a while. He had his debut album, I think, in two thousand and nine. But Frank Ocean is. Well, he's gay, and so he was came out in two thousand nine and stuff, and just after his album had come out, and a lot of the songs on the album, I actually think he might be bisexual, and I think that's what he said. But when people were talking about the story, and oh, maybe this was two thousand twelve, actually, he came. So he he released his album, and then he came out afterwards. And in two thousand and twelve, when a lot of people were talking about it, people hailed him as like the first ever rapper to come out. He like wrote a letter about it and stuff, um, and a lot of people. That Frank Ocean loved Frank Ocean and stuff, and there's about there's quite a few songs that are like love songs to this guy who was in love with when he was like nineteen ish, um, and a lot of 
men especially said that they couldn't listen to it anymore because of what it was about which is obviously really stupid but he was quite like groundbreaking in saying that because he comes from this like rap and r&b world mm, and that although is, he's not strictly a rapper i wouldn't say no if we're talking about um toxic masculinity uh, the rap and r&b world is full of it yeah is it not? Yeah. but he frank ocean is very much yeah. not who's earl, earl sweatshirt i want to know hey i want to know if it's his real name i actually don't know yeah. i didn't I, it's frank ocean really though I'm going to talk about spelling now. My spelling's gone to pot recently. Not as bad as yours has, no, though. No, mine's just Percentage shocking. of... Like, my spelling was not as good as yours before, but percentage uh, of how much it's gone down since... I don't know what... I think we, we were playing... So we play this game called Spellway. Mm. This is so nerdy. I actually am embarrassed. We play this game called <laughs> Spellway. And it's, it is what it sounds like. It's a spelling game, basically. Mm. And you have to spell words, and... You, you used to not get a single word Never, wrong. Ever got a you word got wrong. two wrong in one game, and I, I only got one wrong. So I, I'm a better speller, really. Yeah, I think it's um, to do with with predictive text. Oh, it can't not be. Yeah, I spelled. I spent absolutely ages trying first... to spell jealous the other day because I kept spelling it J E L because I would always put like oh well gel or something like that mm. at the end. I kept spelling J E L O U S J E L A O U S. I just could not get. It. I was like, there's way too know, many. Because normally we just put J E and it would. Oh, I would put J E L and then it would come up with jealous and I could not spell jealous and I had to just ke- keep on writing it out and it's actually J-E-A but that's not how you spell it when you say no. well gel so. well you're not alone most job seekers make uh, spelling mistakes on their CV uh, with words that's inexcusable though yeah with words such as experience and professional a particular source of trouble so we'll just try professional spell professional oh, don't do this to me P-R-O-F-E S-S-I-O-N-A-L. Well done. You may get the job. Nine out of ten CVs contain spelling errors or typos, according to the job search website Adzuna, uh, who analysed loads and loads of them, uh, found that almost two out of three had five or more errors, uh, such as adding unnecessary apostrophes. People do yeah, but that. Every time I've used an apostrophe, it's really just a shot in the dark, because I do not know where they're meant to go. Other commonly misspelt words include liaising and responsibilities. So liaising is a tough one. Liaising's would, tough, yeah. How would you spell that? L I A S I N G. No, you see the extra, Is there another extra I, I after the, the A? Extra, uh, yeah. Can we do that again so I sound really smart? <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't. I can do responsibilities though. Yeah. Uh, women though are better than men. Women uh, were more likely In more ways than one. Yes. Women were more likely to double check spelling uh, the research. It's because well that's because of toxic masculinity. Men think oh, I've got to be right all they the time. Adventure. They just but, it, yeah, they just think, Oh, of course I'm right, whereas women will go back and check. Yeah. That's why women should be in charge of war although speaking of women being in charge of things yes well we're going to keep quiet about that because, well only because by the time this uh, appears we we ought to say it's wednesday morning now and while we're speaking uh, there will be arguments going on in the house of commons and there will be the country is in a kind of crisis the vote of no confidence in the uh, in the government but by the time this goes out, we'll know what the results are. This will never get old. The Look North did their bit of Brexit stuff in a gym. And I think this is clutching at straws just slightly. They did it in a gym as a symbol of how um, Theresa May said it, the country would be strong and stable, but in fact is not strong. 
So they showed somebody sort of falling so off. The, the whole thing was in a gym. The whole thing was in a gym. She spoke about in the gym. She interviewed some of the students who were in the gym. It was Lee to Uni Gym. And then she had four experts, I say experts in inverted commas, who then debated Brexit in the gym. That was the whole thing. It was well, so weird. I think the thing about television is it's always trying to get interesting pictures, mm. you know, and uh, I suppose a gym was more interesting than having people sitting around the studio. So Exactly. Uh, somebody said, yeah, should we do it? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. It just sounds like they were sat around and they were like, all right, so, so Brexit, and someone's just taken like a tab of acid or something. And then they're like, so Brexit, yeah, it can be like in a gym, and um, then then the end shot was just people walking on the treadmill, and it was like a fifteen second shot, and it was just them walking, mm. and they were like, um, so, and then the end line that she said, she was like, so, much like Brexit, people will be getting off the tread treadmill, but to what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was like, it makes no sense. Well, yeah, but it makes sense because you've, you've got pictures, which is what they mm. like. Let me uh, put this to you. Uh, a student has been thrown out of Egypt's Al-Azhar University after a video of her accepting a Western-style marriage proposal went viral. A young man was shown kneeling before the 18-year-old woman with a bouquet and then twirling her around when she accepted. So is that, that scene? You've okay. seen that in videos all others. didn't take place inside the university. Uh, but the university in uh, Egypt is a sort of seat of Sunni Muslim learning. And the disciplinary board, because they've seen this video on the um, internet, uh, took a dim view and expelled her. The woman, who asked not to be named, said that she would travel to Cairo with her mother to uh, meet the head of the Al-Azhar University and beg him for forgiveness. Uh, this is in Egypt, where at one point you always felt that um, it was because Egypt was becoming more liberal, if you like, but now it's taken whichever way you want to look at it, a step back or a, um, a step forward and become more socially conservative. And mm -hmm. it's more of a clamp down on rights and freedoms. You know, because you went to a Catholic school, although the religious sort of aspect of it was kept very, very much in the background, wasn't it? Apart, I mean, No, I not at all. Like, it was very much in the foreground, but you weren't forced to believe in anything. So then, like, it was really, it was really Catholic. Like, there was crosses in every classroom and stuff. Yes, but if you did something that was uh, non-Catholic or anti-Catholic, oh, yeah. you so, wouldn't have to no. plead, beg and plead to yeah. the head of the school no if you said like oh my god in most classes you were fine apart from if you're in our class they would be like don't use the lord's name in vain right but so, that's yeah doesn't matter so what, what, what was your feeling about this yeah so you could say that was uh, sort of toxic islam if you like like what, obviously what's your the, about extreme islam anything anything in it's extreme is bad that's what i believe when when we're, to we're talking about the suppression of women the, I think that this, Islam this, doesn't come into the conversation because then people are, are saying, "Oh, that's." I think anti there's a problem when you talk about it. And it's that's because, Islamophobia, they say. Yeah. You know, if I talked about this and said that's absolutely outrageous, which is what I think it is, I'm being Islamophobic, am I? Well, I don't know, but there is a problem with that. People from Western countries are quick to judge the things that they don't understand, and are quick to say that that stuff is abhorrent and stuff. And so, like for example, I mean, well, I don't right, know about this. Is that right? I mean, but well, no, I don't think it. I don't think it is, and I don't think it can be. And we're quick to say that stuff isn't civilized unless it's Western, and you can see that in like African countries with things they do. But some of it is bad, and some of it isn't and i don't know so for example like the hijab wearing of the hijab personally as a woman if i was forced to wear that i would feel like it's completely unfair and it's yeah it's unfair and it's immoral and it's sexist 
But some women say that it's empowering for them to wear a hijab and it's because of their religion. So then if the women are saying that they're okay wearing it, then that's fine. But you've got to question how much of that is just because they're taught to versus actually wanting to. Do you know what I mean? Would you not say that the whole of Islam, as it's practised, not entirely in the UK, but as it's practised over the world, is sexist? Would you not say that was... You know, if you're you're setting you up to criticise... I can't say... I think that that religion is sexist. I think the, the... I think that... The Bible, okay. I've not read. I've not read the Torah. I've not read um, the Quran. <laughs> the Quran. Oh my gosh, I do know that. I've not read the Torah. I've not read the Quran. I've read bits of the Bible. So I have read bits of the Torah actually, because mm. that's just half the Bible. What's the Old Testament? The, the Bible's the sequel, and much of it is sexist, I think, and much of religion is sexist. And much of it is But you don't say. But But I don't believe in it, so I can't say. Do you know what I mean? So some people... So there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that is completely wild and made up and Mm, is sexist. There's stuff about don't touch a woman when she's on her period because she's impure, don't wear two of the same threads. That's all the Old Testament that though, isn't it? Yeah, but some of that is in the New Testament, I think. Don't wear two different threads at the same time because it's sinful. Like lots of that stuff is clearly, but, we, just, but it's just not practice. The point but is, it's been so, ditched, hasn't it? Because we, the year is twenty nineteen. Yeah. That stuff's been ditched. Well, apart from the it, stuff it, about it, meat, isn't no. You know, but what I'm saying is, all stuff. the sexist aspects of ism has not only not been ditched; it's a sort of central plank of being uh, being a devout but Muslim, isn't if it? If you believe in that, then you can. But am you I, can't, all I want to know is, in the modern world. Am I? I don't think I don't think organised religion say, has a place in the modern world, personally. But if you believe no, well, in a religion, re- then forget organised religion. Well, fine. Well, that's what be- it is, though, isn't no, it? No, no. If you if you're a, a vicar of the Church of England and you're practicing your religion, fine. It's not impinging on anybody. It's not. Uh, it, well, who's but it neither is a woman on? wearing a hijab. No, I'm not wearing. I'm not wearing hijabs. I'm to. If I was to say Islam is basically an inherently sexist religion a sexist series of values am i allowed to say that am i, I not don't think you are allowed to say that because i don't think i think if you're not it's difficult because it is difficult, i personally it? believe that it is it is sexist but that's because the whole the your the whole basis of the religion is from things that were written 2,000 years yes. ago and of course they're going to be sexist because that's a time when women weren't allowed to have jobs like women weren't allowed to be doctors and it was also a time where we didn't have the same level of intelligence and thinking that well, we have precisely. now but if you believe in the religion then how could you possibly say that it's sexist like unless you but in, unless you believe in God you can't put what I mean is you can't put yourself into the shoes of someone who believes in God no, Do you but know I, I still mean? think I'm so, correct in saying that all this stuff that came... Women, all women this stuff who believe that in it don't from, believe it's sexist. All, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is all this stuff that's ancient, that came from a different time, from 2,000 years ago or whatever, over the years, Judeo-Christian religions have adapted and got rid of that and jumped all yeah, that. Yeah, and a lot of... A lot but, of Muslim people have as well. Yes, a lot of liberal know, but, liberal Muslims have. Mm, but by and large, if you wanted to... See, if I... if, if Tomorrow, you wanted to become Jewish, for instance, you wouldn't have to suddenly. Depends how Jewish. Yes, you want I to agree. Be. Or the the total Orthodox Jews are seen as complete fruitcakes by 
uh, by most Jews, to be honest. And I suspect if you got some sort of, you know, some of the, these Orthodox Christian sects, especially in America, you know, uh, anti-abortion and all that Baptist sort of stuff. Church yeah, stuff. That, that sort of thing. Yeah, they're seen as fruitcakes. But what I'm saying is the sexist plank of the of Islam is right there, right at the centre of the religion. And you say some of them don't mind wearing a hijab. Fine, they don't mind wearing a hijab. But that is right at the centre of things. Yeah, I know. But that's why I'm saying it's difficult. Which because... I think it's right to say that Islam is uh, a la- is an inherently sexist religion. Yeah, but they might not call it. No, I know they wouldn't. they wouldn't. Do you know what I mean? That because I don't think, I don't think you can say. I think you can say it's sexist, but the only the people who believe in the religion can really say. Do you know? Do you know? What I'm I know trying what you're trying to, to say. At? You're trying to say that because. I don't know what's you don't know what it, it feels like to believe in. You don't know what it feels like to believe in God, and you don't know what it feels like if that is one of the base beliefs of your religion, and you believe in the God. Then how I don't know how those two, I don't know how those two things can reconcile, and I ha- I struggle with. It. So uh, there's plenty of gay people who believe in Christianity, and plenty of gay people have talked about how like Christianity has helped them, and they've gone to churches that are more liberal and. Um, maybe not Catholic churches because that tends to be on the more um, conservative side and stuff and I don't know how you can reconcile religion with being gay but I think that's because I don't believe in a god yes but the Christian religion now I mean I know it's been a struggle but they now but you're still not allowed to get married you're not allowed to get married in the Catholic church as as gays but then but that's a fringe issue that's a fringe issue with religion but you really really can't believe I don't think I can talk about these kind of things because I don't have the feeling of how it feels to believe in a God no matter what. They can ignore parts of the Bible or the Quran. They can change stuff. And I know Muslims who are who are very liberal or Muslims who don't wear hijabs and stuff, Muslims who just believe in that religion. And I don't know how you... When you don't have the feeling of believing in a God above everything else, I don't know how you reconcile the stuff. I don't know how you forget bits of it because you believe in the God bit. Yeah, what I'm saying, really, I suppose, is that you can be uh, you can be Jewish and still eat a bacon sandwich. It's not going to be a it's not going to be a major problem for you. Yeah, it's but quite, some, uh, some some Jews well, some know, and but, some Muslims drink there. Mm, Do you but, know what I mean? It's not not all. Don't act like all Muslims are that level of conservative. Or no, th- that level of what I'm saying is, you, when you've got uh, a university, you know, saying that you've got to beg for your place back because yeah. you've put a video on um, on YouTube of you being of you being proposed to, that would seem very central. You know, that set set of values very central rather mm. than uh, just peripheral. But there you are. I but you don't you don't believe in the religion, mm. so you can't understand it. On a completely different subject, do you have a meme of the week? Yes. I've got a picture from, um, it's from The Office, and it's one of those ones where it's like two pictures in the same frame, like that. Oh, right, it's Tim from The Office. Yeah, I've not seen The Office, you know. Oh, it's great. I know, I know, it's I know. Great. I've not office, seen either not... of them. I've not yeah, seen Yeah, I think either. The English Office is better than The American Office. Have you watched both of them? Uh, yes, well, I've seen one one or two episodes of The American Office with Steve Carell, but I didn't think that was half as good as The English Office with uh, Ricky Gervais. Yeah, so this is a pitch from The Office, but you don't really need to know that. And so the first one says, I think it was John Lennon who said, life is what happens when you're making other plans, and that's how I feel. And then the second one said, although he also said, I am the walrus, I am the Eggman, so I don't know what to believe. 
good. I picked that because it was about the Beatles. It's the Beatles, you know, I love the Beatles. You do uh, love the Beatles. I do like uh, Ricky Gervais, uh, mainly for the um, mainly for the uh, tweet he put out yesterday about the Gillette ad. Have you seen the Gillette ad? Yes, yeah, we talked about it. I know we talked about it. But yeah, I, no, no, I I, yeah, 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 I've seen, seen it. it. I've seen it. He put in his tweet. I'll see if I can remember this. But the Ricky Gervais tweet was something like, "I've stopped beating up kids at barbecues because I know that's wrong." <laughs> <laughs> and what's more, my balls are really smooth now. Thanks, Gillette. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was a bit of a cracker. I like this one, um, this tweet. This is not funny. Um, this advert just says that you shouldn't be violent, be a bully or sexually harass people, and yet people are actually truly angry. How could you be arsed being such a crybaby? Mm. Which I think is true, though. Yeah, so that's, it really that's, doesn't tell that's you that. Not- it's ironic, isn't it? That it's not even ironic, really. It's just quite... I think they're aiming, aiming for irony in that uh, tweet. So if you, uh, we've already given the address out for the emails, and we do love to get them because, uh, as I say, occasionally it is material for us. Uh, it's Mar- lazy. <laughs> yes, it's, well, everybody is. Martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to get the music... Go on Spotify and type either Martin and Ruth or Ruthie, me and my dad, and either one of those will get, we'll get you either through to the profile or the playlist, and that's fine. Yeah, and um, some good stuff going on there this week with The Nightfly, Donald Fagan, which is a brilliant track, and uh, your Super track, Rich Super Kids. Rich Kids by Frank Ocean, who's no relation to Billy Ocean. Have you heard of Billy Ocean? Yeah. Oh, I'm surprised. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking of Billy Idol. Yeah, you might think of Billy Idol. Billy Ocean is uh, when the tough get going. The oh, tough when, get, the, yeah. when the going gets tough, tough the, the tough, tough gets, gets going, going yeah. yeah. And uh, get out of my something and into my car. Get into my life and out of my car. I can't remember. Out of my car and into my life. That's the one, I think. Something like that. Um, So, yeah, and you're curating this very efficiently now, aren't you? And everything's going in uh, each week. There's some lovely stuff in there. Kendrick Lamar's in there and uh, Scott Walker. Let's eat grandma. Let's eat grandma. Very good. Uh, So thank you very much indeed for uh, for listening and we'll be with, with you again next week.